This is the EWN Podcast Network. Welcome to From Disaster to Dream Home, the podcast that takes you inside the home building and rebuilding process. When interior designer Jana Rosenblatt had an 80-foot tree fall on her house, she saw the opportunity to create the customized home of her dreams. From Disaster to Dream Home provides you with the information and resources Jana wished she had during her rebuilding process. Now she's sharing with you the expertise of leading architects and home builders and the newest products and materials on the market. Here's your host, Jana Rosenblatt. I want to welcome back my guests, Don McMaster and John Hill of McMaster and Hill Construction. Last week, we had a great discussion about the beginning of the design and planning process of building a new home from the ground up or rebuilding after a fire or flood. If you missed it, please go back and catch episode number one. My goal for Dream It, Design It, Build It is to be an interior design podcast featuring the client experience of building a new home, renovating an older home, or rebuilding after disaster. On my website, rebuildingafterdisaster.com, we have posted a 12-month timeline where you can see the process of what you will need to do monthly in order to stay ahead of your contractors when building a new home. I want to remind our audience that John and Don began McMaster and Hill Construction in 2017, specializing in water and fire restoration. Over the past four years, they have grown the company into a leading full-service remodeling and design firm. McMaster and Hill now specializes in high-end remodels, home additions, kitchen and bath remodels, and complete fire rebuilds. Over the 40 years, over with over 40 years combined experience, Don and John have the skill set to fit any client's needs. We've been working together for the past 12 months on two homes that were devastated by the Woolsey fires in Southern California. What I wanna talk about today is the process of working with the insurance companies. First question guys, when you meet the client, do, you, do they already understand the extent of their total re rebuild coverage? No way. <laughs> I think they have a, you know, some of them might have a fairly decent idea. It kind of depends on how much you've really delved into it. But I would say uh, generally on the whole that uh, people really don't know what they're getting into. So it's really up, up, our job is to uh, inform them uh, along with their insurance company, but uh, really for us to explain to them how this process is going to work. You know, do they actually bring you their policy at any point? I mean, how do you, how do you know what they have on paper? Well, that's that's one of the first things that we do is we oh. ask them, hey, you know what? Let's see your, uh, you know, your cover sheet. Let's see what coverages you have, so we can start taking a look at it. And that's something that John does a really good job on. Uh, so, do you, as a builder, have a specific role in the process with the insurance companies? No, the role as far as the policy is already set, you know, when they renewed or established their policy. But what we work with the insurance to do is capitalize the funds that they're getting from the total loss or insurance claim. And we also assist with 
um, code upgrade coverage because most policies have anywhere from 10 to 20% of code upgrades. Um, and so we assist with the cost of those items with the insurance company. So, um, so there's some flexibility and, uh, and figuring things out. It's not just cut and dry, like this is what's on the piece of paper and it's gonna stop there. It has to be brought up to code. Cor correct, yes, uh, exactly how you said it. There's, um, there's different, different coverages. Um, you know, you have your personal property, you have other structures, which is everything not attached to the house and you have your dwelling policy. And some insurances also kick in like a booster of 10 or 15%. So we kind of assist them with the insurance to go over what their maximum coverage are or is if they're getting close to that amount. Okay. Yeah, so we'd recommend everybody to sit down with their uh, agent. Yeah, they're with their agent, and, and if their agent doesn't know, they need to find out what are you, you know, what are you buying? It's like anything. I'm buying a car, and I want to know what's in the trunk. I can see what the car is, but in these insurance policies, there's something in the trunk there for them to. Uh, it doesn't seem, you know, you can't see it on the surface. Uh huh. But uh, you know, a lot of us know where that is. So that's there's some extra money. It may not be really easy to find. But uh, yeah, I would sit down with your, your agent and, and, and get to the bottom of it. What are you actually paying for? Okay, that's cool. Uh, so it's the kind of thing that most mere mortals wouldn't be able to identify in reading their policies, but you superhumans uh, know where to look. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, it's pretty much. It's exactly it. And like yeah. I say, it's hidden in the trunk and you got to know. Got to go open Yeah, the trunk. No, that's, a, that's a good analogy for me. Um, when someone is not covered or is undercovered, what's led them to that outcome? Is it that the property is in an area that's deemed uninsurable, or is it that they're caught unaware uh, of what they ultimately would need to rebuild their homes? So my first answer to that is time, and time being the time that's gone past since you bought that insurance policy. So let's say, and, and with the fires that have recently happened, and and a lot of fires, let's say if we just have a kitchen fire or you know, something like that, you bought this policy 20 years ago and 10 years ago, and you're not updating it or staying on top of it. And there is like a, you know, a rollover every year. So I, I think it's 3%, maybe or something like that, that they roll over, but it may not always be keeping up with the cost of construction. So, so you're going to find a lot of people that, you know, that construction prices and certain things, you know, let's say the cost of copper goes through the roof or you know wood and so now it's a lot more than what uh, you might have had coverage so you really just need to um, so the people that are underinsured and the answer to your question is it, it could just be that you know it's, it hasn't been updated so you really have to stay on on top of that and um, the other uh, part of the question was let's see how someone um, undercovered that maybe it they didn't get enough coverage at the very beginning. So right. that's a reason to find out, okay, let, let me, let me check this. Can somebody actually rebuild this and, and am I covered and what, it, what does that all mean? So another trip to the agent to make sure you're, you know, you're good. Yeah. And I, I imagine that it's the kind of thing people don't really think is going to happen to them. And so they might be happy with the amount of their premiums, and, uh, and not really want to know the real truth of it. But um, do you think that, you know, sort of checking your policy every other year or, uh, or 
is it more often or is every other year a good good wise idea i'd say every every couple of years it's a good idea to check with your policy you know and just have the conversation with your agent hey i'm covered for this and um you know calling a contractor and saying hey i live in this area here's my square footage of my house what's a safe um policy limit and that way you know we give you a general idea and you go to your agent and get that coverage yeah, and I'd say one other thing that we find uh, found a lot is people have done work on their house over time. So let's say, oh yeah, you know, my house is, uh, you know, an average house, and that's what they got it for. And then so they went and they added the sauna, the steam room. They did a remodel and bumped out the kitchen, or or let's say they just remodeled the kitchen, and so they just spent eighty thousand dollars on their kitchen. Well, to get that house, that may not be you know, looked at in your insurance policy. So when that, when the next kitchen is destroyed and you say, I want $80,000, well, okay, that's going to take up a big percentage of what you're getting paid. So when people do add on to their house or remodel and it's a significant remodel or add up, you know, um, you want to make sure that you're going to get covered for that in case you lose it. Be kind of like buying a car, you know, uh, you have a Honda car and you went out and get a Cadillac. Well, well, maybe not a Cadillac. Maybe that's not a good analogy. How about you get a big fancy Mercedes or something? Yeah. And uh, you still have the insurance for that uh, Honda car. <laughs> You're going to be fine. You yeah. Know, Another sure. good analogy. So, yeah. uh, so even though it's going to increase your um, your premiums, if you did that kind of work to your house, it is on you to to upgrade your insurance to cover what it is you lost. Absolutely correct. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, John may have can tell us that, about an example. We just did a guy's house uh, during the summer, and uh, he didn't want anybody knowing he had done this work. And then his house burned, and uh, so he had his old policy, right? And yeah. that guy, he maybe explain what happened there. Well, yeah, and he had added some work, didn't want anyone to know, and then his so he was very undercover. So the insurance company only only had a policy limit well short of what it was going to cost to do the addition that he put on the house. So that's. And he's stuck. I mean, that's not their job to, uh, you know, if someone is being, you know, deceiving, whether they intend the um, full consequences or not. uh, It's, it's not, that's actually not the insurance company's fault. They have faults, but that's not one of them. Exactly. (laughs) All right. Um, So I mentioned before to you guys, uh, in 2017, a very large tree fell on my rather small house, causing considerable damage. Because uh, the process of negotiating with the insurance company took several months, we were out of our house for more than a year. My personal experience with negotiating with my insurance company was overwhelmingly adversarial. We were assigned an insurance adjuster who represented the company in evaluating our loss and ultimately determining our settlement. When it's um, from a clear total loss, like a fire um, where it has to be completely taken down, is the process of working with the insurance adjusters still so painful or is it a little more straightforward? It's a little more straightforward um, with a clear total loss because they're going to end up easily getting you to your policy limit. And once they get your policy limit, that's all they're paying you. So when you're not at policy limit, that's when it's a little more back and forth trying to fight for every penny. Um, but once you're at a total loss, they're going to they're gonna write you for your policy limit. 
And there's no room for negotiation. Your policy limits your policy limit. And um, is there any responsibility on the insurance company to um, call, like the agents to contact their clients every certain amount of time? Or is it really like if you haven't talked to your insurance you know, agent in 10 years, it's on you? It's, it's on the homeowner. I don't think they can keep up with everybody. It'd be on the homeowner. I would, you know, put the ball on my court on that situation and always reach out to your agent and just follow up that your policy is up to date with the current value of your neighborhood and your house. So I think you've, I think you've actually answered the next question, but there's another part of it. To the extent that the value of the property is stated in the policy and they're not going to go above that, is there any room for negotiation in any way? And I, I think you were talking about that a little bit in terms of um, maybe it's not negotiating, but maybe it's about reading between the lines to be able to shift, you know, the the budget part from maybe the house household goods, you know, into the building goods and things like that. Is there any anything you can do? Yeah. So your insurance adjuster who's assigned to your claim will go over all your coverages, um, and he'll make it very clear on what your policy limit is, what additional coverages you have in your policy. He'll sit down with you and go over each item on where you're maxing out. So they do a good job of explaining the policy once you have a loss like that. There, there's room for increased percentages that they build in most policies. Okay. And he'll explain that to you and show you where the policy limit is plus the kicker um, and what that value ends up being. Yeah, so and me, then they do have to bring it up for code purposes. That's yeah, that will be that's additional funds. That's up to the contractor once the new plans are drawn to explain to the insurance company where are the code upgrades being spent, whether it's a new electrical panel with our fault breakers, whether it's bigger, larger footings, two by six walls, you know, insulation, all the code upgrades, dual pane windows. That's up to the contractor to list out and price, you know, as incurred. Well, that's also why it's imperative to be working with, you know, not only licensed and bonded contractors, but people who have experience in doing these insurance projects, because if you don't know, you don't, then that's money on the table. Exactly. Exactly. Let me just, uh, you made a statement a little earlier about the value of your house. Yeah. So they don't pay and it's not in your policy, the value of your house. Right. So... Let's talk about it in an instant. Let's say I have a three bedroom, two bath house, 1500 square feet, and it's out in the middle of the desert. And it may be worth, you know, just being crazy. Let's say it's worth $100,000. And you have the exact same piece of property and you picked up that house and you put it on the cliff over at La Jolla. Yeah. And you said, my house is worth 3.5 million. And the other house is worth 100,000. Yeah. So the so the insurance company virtually it's the same thing to rebuild. It's the same That's two right. by fours. It's the same. So the value of the house is not um, commensurate with the policy. Got it. Yeah. So, so it can't it can't be in those and the, the value of your house is not written on your policy. Right. The number that's on your policy is replacement or, or the insurance that you have for it. So. Some people say, well, I had a $2 million house and I want them to write me a $2 million check. And you go, yeah, but I can rebuild the house for 300,000. And they know you, they can rebuild it for 300,000. That's all they're gonna pay, especially, and that's why you have to know, uh, be really sharp about you know, what your value is. So the value of the house versus 
the policy is not always the same thing. So can you trust when you establish your policy or when you check it every other year that the, in, that the, um, that the agent is going to have the statistics of what it will cost to rebuild a home equal to what you have? So my experience is that the agents don't know. Yeah. Um, I think they have an idea. And uh-huh. uh, so we do get a lot of calls from agents that say, hey, you know what? I, I'm, I'm insuring this four bedroom, four bath house and here's the area it's in. And, you know, if this were to burn down to the ground, what would it take to rebuild it? So we kind of go through, okay, you know, first you have to tear it off the property and then, and then you have to rebuild it. So, um, we can kind of give them some guidance say so you need to be about, you know, if you were to call me tomorrow and that place burned down, here's what I'm going to be charging you to put it back together. Right. And then there's the factoring in of, you know, the $80,000 kitchen upgrade that you did, which yeah. show in terms of square footage of your house. But if you chose, you know, the, um, you know, the uh, Cadillac of, um, of all options in there, then, uh, then, and you want to replace that at that level, yeah. then it's up to you to make sure that's known. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I'm going to tell you one story. I had a, uh, a lady that lived in a condo um, downtown LA and the condo burned. And uh, this lady had done everything perfectly. I could not believe it. So there's two kinds of insurance. There's the insurance for your building, uh, you know, the sticks and stones, the cabinets and all that kind of stuff. And the other thing is the contents, your furniture, as we would say, whatever, you know, you shake you turn your house upside down, whatever falls out, that's yours and contents. Uh-huh. And so they do advise people to do this is to take a picture of every room, either the video or something, and put it somewhere, you know, um, now on the cloud or someplace. But this lady had them in a, a three ring binder. She had yeah. three of them with yeah. pictures of everything she owned, her yeah. contents, every room from every angle. And when the insurance company came out, she handed them these books and said, here it is. And it was the most amazing thing I've ever seen. Uh, I I actually have a similar thing for my own home is that's the kind of thing that I do. And I've actually done it for clients too. When we finished a project, especially people who have valuable art um, that we take pictures, we inventory and, and that there are services that will help you do that. If it's something for someone to do, but it's actually really, really worth it because you know, if you have a stereo system that you got at Best Buy, you know, bottom of the, you know, on a budget, it's one thing. If you've invested heavily in your stereo system, it's not going to show, you know, right. if, and, and if your receipts burn up, you're done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and you can do that now with your iPhone. You can walk through your house yeah, that's and, right. and pretty much have all that's the right. proof that you would need to show the insurance company. Yep. And then store it somewhere safe. Yeah. Uh, so, in our case, the final settlement amount was given directly to the mortgage holder from the insurance company. Then the budget dollars were paid to me and the contractor together requiring a double signature to cash checks. People may not know that the insured is not simply gonna be handed the budget total in a lump sum to dole out at will or you know, go to Europe instead of rebuilding their house. Um, how does it work uh, when there's a total loss? Okay, so with the total loss, the mortgage company can only hold the balance that you owe on your mortgage. So for instance, um, if you have a policy limit of $500,000, but you owe $100,000 on your house, uh-huh. the mortgage company will keep $100,000 and they're responsible to give you $400,000. Uh-huh. And 
how those how the remaining hundred that the mortgage company keeps in an escrow fund um, is issued on a progress payment schedule. So they may make four to five payments depending on the progress to help fund that project. But they can only, it's important to know that they can only keep what the balance of your mortgage is. The, the other, the difference gets cut directly to the homeowner. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's definitely different than in my situation because it, it wasn't a total, uh, a total loss, but also, then all the monies we've been talking about are still different from the amount of money that's written into the policy that houses you somewhere during the process of the rebuilding. Yes, those are all, those are all separate coverages. So that uh -huh. would be temporary housing, personal property. Those are all separate coverages outside your, what they call dwelling coverage is what the cost of your house is. And so I suggest everyone talk to their agent and just understand their policy. How long do I get if, for temporary housing, is it one year, two years, three years? What's the amount? What's my personal property coverage? And what's my house insured for? And yeah. they will go over all those things. And, uh, you know, they'll give you a cost on the premium if you want to bump them up. It's always be safer than sorry. Yeah, we had a, just a real quick, we had a, uh, going back to the, insur the insurance company, when they write a check to the mortgage company, they don't call the mortgage company and ask them, oh, by the way, how much does uh, Mr. Joe owe on the house? That's up to the owner. So they're going to write him. So let's say you have a million dollar house and, or you have a policy for, a, you know, a million dollars and you have a million dollars worth of damage, but you only owe the bank 200,000. They are going to send the mortgage company, the $1 million. So then it's up to you to call up the mortgage company and go, Hey, I only owe you 200. I want my check for 800 sent to me. So you really have to be your own advocate in that regard. Yeah, but you have to know that because a lot of people don't, they just think, okay, they got the money, but really they can't keep more money than, you know, the collateral, the collateral yeah. amount being what they're owed. So have you ever been the person that has let the, the client know that that's the case and that they need to, because I imagine there's a little more flexibility if you've got a portion of the money to be able to uh, work with, it won't tie you up as much as, um, yes. as you can. Yeah. yeah, we do tell them and we let them know, hey, and we do ask them, hey, what do you owe on this thing? Because, you know, these guys now have double of what you owe them. Right. And, and they're, they're, they're getting job and, and, you know, yeah. And, yeah. you, and that money's yours. You need it in your bank account, not theirs. So for the amount of money that um, the, the mortgage holder is now holding, um, for us, it was um, they, they doled out specific sums of money that they sent over um, based on the amount of work done. And they had inspectors come um, who were representatives of the mortgage holder to qualify that. So if, if we needed half of the amount of the budget to be make, you know, keeping the work going, but they thought we had only done an arbitrary you know, third of the work, we, you know, there was a real dis, you know, discrepancy there. It was very hard to work with. When a specific amount of work was completed, the next amount of money was sent. Is that the same for you at a rebuilding? It's exactly the same way, exactly the same way. They'll fund the project based on a percentage of the work that's completed. And they use a third party, um, uh, you know, inspector to come see what, what's been done. And that, that turns into a percentage off the balance that, that is owed. And then they'll issue a payment. Do you actually understand how those percentages are calculated? I do. It can be a little, 
a little confusing, but basically they take the uh, summary off the back of your insurance estimate and they'll add up the total of the items complete and divide it against the total cost of, of the project. And that's the percentage. It can be a little confusing, but. It, it can be torture. Um, <laughs> the cash flow process in our case caused some unnecessary delays. Does the process working with, on insurance projects cause specific delays on a total rebuild? And, and how do you work around them? So yeah, that's a tough question because you do have to work with the, uh, with the insurance company. So we do like to get ahead of the game before, before we start. So we do try to push the insurance companies to say, hey, uh, we're gonna start this. So say we're at the beginning and they're gonna make it simple. They're gonna give you five payments, which is pretty typical okay. at 20%. Before you start working, you gotta go to them, look, I, I'm not funding this myself. You're gonna give me the 20% up front. So, uh, and so a lot of them, they really don't have, a. Um, we haven't had a problem with them working with us and giving that money up front. And we say, here's what we got to get going because you're holding the money. So now we're in a big stale, stalemate. So uh, I'm not funding this. I'm not funding this guy's house. Uh, you guys are. And so usually we can work something out. So everyone's happy. So the insurance company has given the money to the mortgage holder, you've trained the client to get the percentage that they've already paid on their mortgage into their own bank account. Who's harder to get money out of? The insurance, the, the mortgage holder or your client? <laughs> I guess it depends on the client. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'd say about that. One. Yeah. Well, I know, you know, we, we're just gone through this uh, process, you know, pretty intimately with these, these two families and, uh, and yeah, that's why that question is relevant is, um, you know, it can be hard to, you know, to get people, in some ways it may be easier, the amount that the mortgage company's holding. Yeah, yes, yeah, sometimes it is because there's, you know, then they get that check and they can't, when it's made out, a lot of time it's made out to uh, us as contractors and the that's, homeowners. So the, whole, right. and so the homeowner can't cash it. Right, right. Sign it. And I'm not signing it until he writes me a check and hands it to me. Okay, yeah. Okay, so that's the a protective process. Yeah, I mean, ours was yeah. the same. Yeah, it was, it was signed, it was to both of us. And so we both had to sign it and I would just, you know, give it over. I mean, I wasn't going right. around with it. Right. So hopefully your clients are forthcoming in that way. Um, yeah. So, uh, so depending on, does it matter um, who the insurance company is, how easy or hard that process is? Yeah, so I'm gonna let John answer some of that. My, my quick answer is, um, you know, uh, Chubb, which is a more expensive high-end insurance company. Um, I don't think we really have problems collecting from them. Um, State Farm is always great and Farmers is always great. So I would say, unless John has to know somebody else, but I think those are like the top three. It, may, it makes a huge difference um, on, a, on a total loss, on a small insurance claim. Who your insurance company in makes a really big difference. Now, I'm not going to sit here and throw insurance companies under the bus, but yeah. what I would do is do some research on the insurance. There's plenty online that will review how their insurance process went with all these insurance companies because it makes a giant difference. I, yeah. I deal with insurance companies every day. Some are pulling tooth and nail to get a dollar. Some yes. 
you know, understand the cost of rebuild and don't mind writing a check. So it's very important. Um, if I was a customer, I would do some heavy research on what companies are easier to deal with. Yeah, I mean, and there too, it's about um, what you're willing to pay and there you have to choose, you know, if you do that research, you understand the value of paying more for the coverage, you know, God bless if you don't need it, but a lot of times people need it and it's important to have it in place. Yeah, exactly. Even for like something like your refrigerator leaks and, you know, damages all the floors in your house, you know, something as simple as that. Yeah. It can be a real nightmare if you're dealing with the wrong insurance company. If your insurance company is taking care of you, it could be a real simple process that you're very happy with and, um, you know, go smooth. Yeah, I, I would say, you know, we had these big fires and so we had whole houses that burned down, which is highly unusual. Yeah. Most of the time in the past 20 years that I've been doing just insurance work, uh, they don't burn to the ground. You know, they burn a quarter of the house burns or half the house burns or an eighth of the house burns. Uh, and so I don't think people understand how many times a day houses burn. And uh, I think there's, uh, I, I'm not going to quote the national average. It was some ridiculous thing, like every 15 minutes. Wow. A house yeah. burning somewhere in the country. Yeah. So it's a crazy amount. But when you count up all the times houses flood, yeah, you know that that's yeah. just like uh, you know endless, you know. And there's all the other things that go along with that. Bad things that can happen to you, you know. As you know, a tree hit my house. Right? What were the odds? Yeah. Um, I will say that uh, when I first moved into my house, um, within a few months, a tree uh, fell down the street, one of these large uh, eucalyptus trees, onto another house. There was a woman in the front of the house, and she was very badly hurt. I immediately went to my insurance company and said, if a tree falls in my house, am I covered? And I got, you know, I, I made sure I was covered and thank God, because I have a new yeah. house and, uh, and yeah. one less tree. Actually, <laughs> the other three less trees because the city stopped wanting to pay out. Uh, so they've cut a lot of them down, sadly, yeah. but properly. Um, so then, uh, so this cumbersome process of dealing with the cash flow, um, it, does it affect uh, your insurance-based uh, rebuilds? Is it a lot smoother if you're building a house from the ground up by choice? Or does it take a lot longer because of this process? Well, I can't speak for everyone, but if the insurance company and mortgage company are involved, it's an easier process. You know, for oh. us, we a contract. It's based on progress payments as work's completed. There's no third party that's having to do inspections and you know, send checks to multiple parties. Right. So that's always going to go a little faster. Um, dealing with the insurance companies, it can, it can take time getting the money. Um, and so it just depends on the contractor. We, we trust the insurance companies. We've been doing it long enough that eventually the money will come. So, you know, rather than stopping and throwing a whole fit about where's the funds, we just keep moving on knowing the money's coming. You can't speak to every contractor like that, you know, they may need smaller payments, but, you know, we just carry on. We work with the insurance company and the mortgage company the best we can, knowing when the, when the project's finished, all the dollars are going to be there. Yeah, that, that does certainly take experience. And that's where um, experience, you know, with a company like you guys uh, is really imperative because a smaller company just, they can't afford it. Like it, it would be devastating for everyone. Um, Right. For the 
were uh, so were the two clients in the Oak Park projects insured by the same company or were they different companies? Yeah, both of them were insured by the same company. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, two different insurance adjusters, which makes it interesting. So you're dealing with two completely different people, but same exact insurance company, which is nice because um, we got to know them, um, understood the process. You know, they're easy to talk to, easy to call. Um, it was actually a pretty painless process in this case. Wow. I'm, I'm thrilled to hear the word painless applied to any conversation with insurance companies in the headline. <laughs> that is very um, heartening to me. I feel like there's hope. Um, there's good insurance companies out there. You just need to make sure that you, you have one. Yeah, I'm hearing you. I'm hearing you. It, it could I'm be. Gonna, I'm going to change mine right after this call. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, we hear this all the time, how hard the insurance, you know, how hard they are, but, um, and, and it may be because we know uh, how the game's played yeah. and, you know, the questions to ask and, uh, you know, the process. So it's not that painful because we know, okay, this is the next step. This is the next step. This is the next step. So we already know that. And so uh, for us, it's just a daily, you know, it's a daily thing here. Okay. Here's the next step. And, and so, there's no stress related to it. We know how it's going to go. Yeah. And that, that helps. Yeah. Yeah. The mystery. I mean, as a client, we are all dealing, you know, in huge amount of mystery and misunderstanding. And, you know, it just seems so huge and inhumane. But I guess if you've got the confidence to know that they're just people and you know how to deal with them, that helps a lot. Yeah. I do. I'll tell you a story. I had a guy whose house had uh, down in LA and, uh, I was going on vacation and uh, I got a call his house had burned down and I'm going down the 405. So I, I pulled off, drove over to his house because the insurance company had called me. They said, go, go see this guy. And he's sitting in front of his house on the, on the steps, what remained of his house with his head down. And I got out of the car and walked around the whole house, which was just burned to the ground. And, and he, I just looked at him and I go, yeah, not bad. <laughs> I go, trust me, I'm going to rebuild your house. It's going to be fantastic. You're going to love it. I said, so, you know, don't worry about it. I'll take care of it. You know, you've got a good insurance company. Everything's going to be great. You're going to be great. And I think like six months later, you know, he had basically a brand new house rebuilt and things went well. So yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. For him, for him, it was a, you know, a nightmare as it is when your house doesn't burn. But then for others looking at it and going, you know what, it's, it's not so bad. We, we, you can fix it. It's an opportunity. Yeah. Um, yeah. Is there, uh, is there anything else that you can tell us about the insurance process that we might not know or that I forgot to ask? No, I would just say, you know, if you have an insurance claim of any size, it's just the, the saying, the squeaky wheel gets the grease. Couldn't be more true. You just need to stay on top of it. You need to always be in communication with them and, and really fight for what you think you deserve because the people that are quiet and just stand behind the scenes, they're just going to write them a check and say, here you go. So you just want to be on top of it, be assertive and be in communication with them. That's the biggest thing with these insurance claims. It's just communicate with them, explain why you think you're not being paid the right amount, et cetera. And, and they'll work with you. And I think having a company like us that knows how to do that so that you don't have to do it because you really, this is, this is your first go round and you'll be maybe your only go round with That's this. Right. Hopefully. Right? And, <laughs> yeah. and uh, I'm sure, I don't know how many we got going right now, five, six, seven. So this is something we're doing 
every day. So it's easy for us to go call up, call them up and say, Hey guys, you missed the boat here. And we'll tell you why you missed the boat. And, you know, let's get that fixed. So otherwise it takes the stress off the, uh, the homeowner trying to figure this, this one-off opportunity here for them to have somebody like us that knows what's exactly, you know, the, the language to speak, the questions to ask. Well, you guys definitely inspire confidence and uh, thank you so much for your insights. Navigating the building process when the insurance companies are involved can be truly painful and daunting, but obviously uh, you're the guys to call. Um, I'm hoping that this valuable information will help people who are going through a, a traumatic event and inform people who may have a future incident so they are more aware of what will be ahead for them. Thank you for joining us on this episode of From Disaster to Dream Home, the podcast that takes you inside the home building and rebuilding process. Each week, we bring you time-tested practices and the latest trends through conversations with top professionals in the building industry. You can find other episodes of From Disaster to Dream Home at EWNPodcastNetwork.com, as well as Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Audible, and most other major podcast streaming services. Need design help? You can contact us or find out more about our guests at From Disaster to Dream Home. Until next time, let us guide and inspire you as you create the home of your dreams. Have you ever asked yourself this question, why is it so hard to make a buck? I know I have. Hi, I'm Sandra Yancey, founder and CEO of eWomen Network. What I have discovered after going from the brink of bankruptcy to running a multi-million dollar award-winning business is this. You can't build a million dollar dream hanging around minimum wage mindsets. My mission is one million women entrepreneurs generating one million dollars in annual revenue. So here's what I've done. I've created the mother of all entrepreneur success programs that you can access online on your time. It's called Monetize Me Now. It's a seven-module online course that is 100% my success formula, covering mindset, mission, management, motivation, marketing, and measure. Come on, take my hand, and I'll show you the way to learn to earn flowing revenue for your business. Visit monetizemenow.com for details. Calling all speakers. eWomen Network has speaking engagements all over North America that must be filled. Are you a gifted messenger, author, expert, or successful entrepreneur that can help women entrepreneurs grow their businesses? Our mission is to help 1 million fulfilled women each achieve $1 million in annual revenue. If you're a speaker that can help women prosper, go to eWomenNetwork.com and sign up as a pro member of our Speakers Network. That's eWomenNetwork.com. Thanks for listening. This is the EWN Podcast Network.